0: The weekend and lots to hear from the day's radio. This is Playback Daily. I'm Carol Moran and here's what you might have missed.
1: I actually done a price comparison the other day. Yeah. And uh, non-gluten free, it came to just under 20 euro. And gluten free, exactly the same stuff, was 44 euro. Wow,
2: more than double.
1: More than double.
3: One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. In the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie. Now, straight away, you're kind of thinking, what is going on there? I want to find out.
4: On Raglan Road, on an autumn
2: day, I saw her first and knew that her dark hair would weave a snare that I may one day rue.
0: And first up on Liveline, Damien O'Reilly was in for Joe and his first caller, Lauren, was talking about the difficulties of keeping her daughter, who has celiac disease, happy, healthy and included.
2: Your, your daughter, Angie, is six years old and she has a condition which causes a lot of angst for you and obviously for her as well.
1: Yes, that's right. She has celiac disease.
2: OK. And for those that... We've all heard of celiac disease, but how does it manifest itself? What is it?
1: So basically, it's an autoimmune condition. So when she eats anything that contains wheat, her body sees that as something attacking the body. So then what does your body do? It attacks off anything that's going to cause damage. And then in turn, she gets quite sick, Mm. basically.
2: So she eats cereal, pasta, biscuits. Anything like that. And when when was she diagnosed with this, Lauren?
1: Uh, She was diagnosed roughly about two years ago. Um, I was quite concerned about when she was eating. She didn't eat very much. She was very tired all the time, very irritable. Um, And then she started eating objects. And I mean, soap, crayons, sponges, stones... Anything she would take a bit of a like a light to in her eye, she'd eat. So I rang the GP and it was a thing called pica. So basically what that is, is that her body was lacking something, nutrient. The body doesn't know what it's lacking. So it eats anything to try and absorb and try and get what they're lacking. So she sent her for blood tests and the blood tests came back that she had an iron deficiency which is anemia. And because the anemia was so bad, the doctor said, listen, this is not from not eating meat. There's definitely something more underlined here. Mm-hmm. So she then sent her for the celiac test and it came back positive. Okay. So that's when everything then just, I was completely thrown into the deep end.
2: Okay, but I mean it's a disease that, that is treatable obviously, but there are hurdles for you in your daily life. Yes, every and that's day. the re- that's the reason you, the main reason you called
1: us. Yes, it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can we can go somewhere and you know we can get something but to eat. But my thing is, and what breaks my heart for her is when we walk into a deli down the road, McDonald's, anything like that. Mm. She looks and she said, "Can I have something?" And I have to always tell her no, because there's never an option for her to have anything. Which isn't right. And for a six year old to have to go to a children's party and I have to pack a lunch for her to bring with her. That's not fair.
2: Yeah, she can't have what everybody else is having. No. That's that's kind of wheat or with barley, anything. rye, oats, yeah, anything like that's that. That's right. Yeah. So uh, like restaurants, as we know now, you know, the more sympathetic in that regard, there's barely a restaurant you go into now which doesn't have a gluten-free option. But option. that's all right, I suppose, if you're an adult. You are saying it's not OK for a youngster to explain no. to them what, what's on the gluten-free um, uh, menu.
1: Exactly. Like, if I go to a restaurant, I always bring my own gravy, <laughs> which I know that sounds crazy and I'm walking in with a tub of gravy. But because their gravy and their sauces aren't gluten-free. Right. So again, and like even when she started school, play-doh is not gluten free. But the school couldn't provide her with a gluten free play-doh or certain paints. I had to pay for them.
2: And does she understand the situation?
1: She is really, really good. She will never eat anything unless she asks is that gluten free? All right, yeah.
2: At six years of age.
1: Yes.
0: And Lauren spoke about the price difference in gluten free products.
1: The price comparison yeah. is absolute extortion. Now, I do think you can claim back 20% of your expenses.
2: From the revenue. Expenses, yeah. Yes, at well, the end well, of every year. For example, if, like when it comes to cereal, mm. what, what's the difference in the cost there roughly? Are you paying double or...?
1: More than double. I actually done a price comparison the other day. Yeah, And um, just roughly like a couple of items... Uh, Non-gluten-free, it came to just under €20. And gluten-free, exactly the same stuff, was €44. Wow.
2: More than double.
1: More than double.
2: That all adds up.
1: It really does indeed, especially with the way things are going at the moment. But my big thing is, if I can just get through to one person that owns a deli establishment, to have an option there for her when she walks in.
2: Well, like what, for example?
1: I mean, she can't have sausages, she can't have sausage rolls, she can't have anything like that. If I go in somewhere and ask if they have a gluten-free option, which I always purposely do, I'm told she can have salad. A six-year-old doesn't want to eat lettuce.
0: Mm. Well, that's Lauren there. Then Mary, she caters for people following a celiac diet.
2: I have Mary on the line. Mary, good afternoon to you. You're listening to Lauren there.
5: Yes, I know. I was uh, I'm, I'm making some soup here, and I was listening. to and I could do it every day, of course. Right, gluten free. And yeah, and yeah. And she was on when she said we do. We have a pizza place in Letterkenny, and we do gluten free pizza bases because our bookkeeper is a really bad celiac, has been since she was a child, and she's been our bookkeeper for the last nearly forty years now at this stage. And so we try to make an effort to to get her some gluten free because she likes. She orders pizzas for her family every week. And so she would like to have eaten a pizza. So we, we've got this really gluten, really good gluten-free base. Now we do different sizes. Mm. Our sauce has no flour in it. Um, our cheese, of course, has no has no wheat in it. And um, we just make sure that our toppings and we use separate trays and we're very careful not to mix to make sure that there's no flour being used or so there's no flour being on the trays. And it's proved to be very popular.
1: Right. And it's doable, as you can tell there. from what you're saying.
5: Yeah, there's lots of CDX mm. out there mm. and, and we didn't realise that until we, started, we just started doing it for Elaine and then the next thing we knew, lots of people and now we're, we're selling more and more every week.
2: And are there many restaurants like you, Mary? This is this is Lawrence's point. Like all restaurant, yeah. not all restaurants. Most restaurants we we'll, we'll go into over this weekend, though, those lucky of eno- yeah. enough to be able to get out to a restaurant, will will yeah. look at the menu and there will be gluten free. You know, so, um, yeah. it, and that's fine. But that we're yeah. adults. But for youngsters like um, yeah. Angie, they want there
1: pizza. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know,
5: they want like the kids. You know, and they're so delighted when they get a pizza. And then the parents are so delighted because pizzas our kids sort of dictate nearly where the parents go to eat because the parents, if the kids are happy, the parents are happy. Exactly. And if everybody's... And, and so you want... And you don't want your child going home with stomach cramps or, or, or mm. diarrhoea or
6: whatever it is that you get, you know. And, Lauren... you're a celiac.
0: and then Luke called about his map of places to go to get gluten-free food.
6: We created a, a map. Like, we have an Instagram account. Um... <laughs> And we we put pins basically all over Ireland, and it's on Google Maps. Yeah, and this is just to kind of help people that have celiac disease, you know, so they don't have to be spending hours on the phone looking at, at um, you know, find yeah, to
1: yeah, exactly. Great job.
2: And are you are you celiac yourself, Luke?
6: I am indeed. Yeah, I was. I'm 22, and I was diagnosed at uh, about 16, so about six years, six or seven years.
2: Okay, and, so, was... and, and just up until that point, up until you were 16, um, what was, like, do you, do you develop it or is it something that just emerges very quickly? How, how, how did you realise, obviously, that, you know, you needed to go and find out what was wrong with you?
6: Yeah, um, so we have a very strong uh, family gene, I suppose. Uh, a lot of my aunties and all that and cousins have it, so I just got a blood test and that came back and then I got a, a scope put down the neck. So that came back as well. So that was how I found it.
2: Right. But up until that, I mean, were you, you know, were you careful to try and avoid gluten?
6: Um, no, because I had no reason to do it, you know. All right. Um, so it was only after I was diagnosed that it was a kind of a big change anyway.
2: Right. You found a change when you avoided gluten.
6: Well, it was... It was a big lifestyle change, more than anything, and yeah, the symptoms did disappear as well.
2: Yeah. Um, and so, are there a lot of us going around that probably are celiacs or, or gluten intolerant, that we don't really know it? You know, we oh, feel definitely. that we really, yeah. You think yeah. so, Lauren?
1: Yeah. I think they say there could be an estimated four hundred thousand people undiagnosed. Oh really? And
2: does the severity vary from really bad to mild? Is that
1: right?
2: Yes, why? I'd say so. Yeah. And, and Luke, you were obviously in part of that, maybe 400,000, didn't really realise it until you were actually diagnosed. And then when you re- realised it and you started eating gluten-free, your, your lifestyle improved. But, but you've taken it, as you said, a step further with the Instagram account. What, what prompted you to put this map together?
6: Just having, like I know other people as well, that before you go out, when you have celiac disease, it's not just as simple as going anywhere. You, you have to know what restaurant or cafe or wherever whatever food establishment you're going to is going to be able to serve you. So you'd be on your phone looking uh, to see if you can get a menu or something like that. But you have to plan ahead right? all the time. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, it's a great, exactly great idea. Great idea.
2: So it's a one-stop um, shop, I suppose, for people going out that they can find where is the best place to go for, for a gluten-free menu. So what, is it on Instagram or how, how, how can people if, access it, Luke?
6: If you go onto the Instagram account, it's called livinggf.ie. That's on Instagram, the little .ie is on Instagram as well.
7: Okay, um, Li- livinggf. If just, yeah.
6: yeah, if you just go on that and in the, the about section, so the bio, there's a, just a link and it's free and you just click it. It'll bring you uh, to your Google Maps account. You sign in and press follow. And Luke, and
2: Luke, have you discovered that there are many restaurants which would cater for six and seven year olds?
6: Um, do you know what? I've only come across maybe a handful. There was one. There was one actually only recently out in. It was somewhere in Kildare. It was like a bowling centre or something like that and they had a full kids gluten free menu of pizza and chicken goujons which was surprising but it was good to see because mm. it's not common at all
0: And then Rosemary called in, she was diagnosed as a baby in the 60s
8: Now I'm, um, I was diagnosed in, back in the 60s, back in the, the olden days as my children say oh, yeah. and at that stage there um, was absolutely nothing for celiacs mm. there was no society Nothing. So my mother, when I was, was, um, came out of the hospital, my mother was told go home and don't give her any gluten. Uh, she hadn't a clue what mm, was going gluten, on. Not. But luckily there was someone in, in our village that had um, her son had been diagnosed and she was able to give her a bit of advice. So I mean, whilst I can appreciate that that mother is, is very upset about things not being available for her child, there was absolutely nothing available when I was that age. Yeah. You know, so, is a, elim-
2: a process of elimination for your parents, Rosemary? Was it in terms of yeah, well, it was what a, made was you say, sick and um, what didn't?
8: Yeah, looking back, um, it was kind of hit and miss. Like, I lived on bananas for a long time because I was they were gluten free. You could guarantee they were gluten free. Yeah. And vegetables, of course, are gluten free. There's a lot of naturally gluten free products, but um, oddlums are, no, th- some company used to make a type of a, a gluten-free bread in a round, um, around it was a round loaf. Like yeah. any celiacs, my vintage will remember it <laughs> because you, you couldn't forget it. It was, it was and, dire.
2: And Rosemary, you're you're going back fifty, sixty years now, so yes. you've obviously lived a fairly normal life.
8: Oh yeah, since yeah. then, well, have it, you? It, it, it's second nature to me now. But I mean, I didn't meet another celiac until I was about sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. I went to a Celiac Society meeting and uh, there was other, and I couldn't believe there was other people there because I was kind of um sort of I thought I was unique. Not I won't say unique, but you yeah. know what I mean? I thought I was but, I was different I was felt different to everyone else because so no one knew what celiac was and I probably be there trying to explain to people what it was
2: and how long was it before you began to discover you know the gluten free section in shops or on a restaurant menu is it only a fairly recent phenomenon it's, or I,
8: now, now celiac society are doing a fantastic job promoting the you know the gluten free um food and uh, uh, you know, and even the diagnosis trying to to say to doctors to ha- you know if a child or a person presents with symptoms to rule out celiac you know as, as one of the, the the tests because the doctors were kind of you know it wasn 't a a test that was part of the the routine and a lot of people were being missed and um going through a lot of illnesses yes. when you know and eventually they discovered was celiac something that could have been treated a lot sooner than yeah. you know and and they were went through a lot of of illness and stuff like that yeah. I, I was a year old when I was diagnosed I was lucky oh,
7: because
8: yeah. I, I wow. probably um, saved a lot of, 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 of illness
0: That's Rosemary on the live line with Damien O'Reilly And on the Ryan Tupperdy show a trip down memory lane and a TV theme song from the 80s
9: Oh yeah Oh yeah Spindly 80s Let's go here for a few seconds, okay? So it goes on like that, and that is Clannad, uh, and there was, was a good choice actually for that. There was a serious mood on that program. Uh, wasn't the Hern the Hunter? You know, just that kind of crazy stuff was happening. I'd say many, many cigarettes were smoked during the writing of it and the making of it, and they weren't cigarettes you'd buy over the counter. Let's say that it just had that feel to it. It was it was trippy. But the 60s one, even I know the the theme music to the 60s one because it just permeated through the years. It never saw it, but, I mean, we probably all, a lot of people remember this one.
1: Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Robin Hood riding, riding through, through the, the den. den Robin
4: Hood, Robin Hood, with his band of men feared by the bad, loved by the good
9: Okay, that was the original. Thank you. How, how do we go here? This is this is just you know weaving and, and veering around the roadways of my brain. The real Robin Hood was indeed Richard Green, says Dave. It was the 1960s, black and white. If memory serves, it was competition for Ivanhoe, starring Roger Moore. Indeed, Robin Hood, Robin Hood rising through the Glad. Okay, you're giving me a full lyric there from a text. I think it's it's uh, that is the theme for the version you mentioned. That was a real Robin Hood. Okay, you're all. Drifting uh, towards memory lane, they're good. We often watched television, says a, te- says a text when we were young, always almost their choice. I agree with those researchers. We learned a huge amount through TV that way. We also learned a lot about our parents, wonderful memories. Zan and our friend Caroline Grace Cassidy she says, I always thought it was Robin, Robin the Crooked Man.
0: From the Ryan to Brady show. And on today with Claire Byrne, Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings on the big and small screen and on the shelf.
7: The long-awaited prequel, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, is the most expensive TV series ever created. But the books have been around for decades with readers from many different generations loving the magic world created by J.R.R. Tolkien. So for dedicated fans of the book, how do the small and big screen versions stack up? I'm joined now by Jenny Loughran, who's a librarian in Waterford, And Owen Cannon, who's with me here in the studio from entertainment.ie. Jenny and Owen, you're both very welcome. Thank Thank you for being here. Morning, Claire. I think I'll just fess up at the the beginning here, right? I have never seen a Lord of the Rings movie. Owen's looking at me in absolute horror. And then last night I did try to watch The Rings of Power, but I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really get it. I think after about 20 minutes when Lenny Henry appeared in a blonde wig, I was gone.
10: (laughs) 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 It is quite striking, isn't it?
7: (laughs) It is quite striking. But what you're both telling me today is it is hugely entertaining, it's really addictive, and people, millions of people, have been waiting for a long time, Owen, for this series on Amazon, right?
10: Yeah, I mean, uh, Amazon Prime, they were kind of looking for their next big thing. They didn't really, they weren't very successful in the streaming um, only until recently kind of with The Boys and Marvelous Maze they kind of had a, a bigger kind of following and so they needed a big IP to compete with Netflix and and this know, is their big this thing. This is their big thing. Like they spent $1 billion on this, $250 million for the rights and then 750 I think, for the rest of the series. It's
7: extraordinary and one thing I will say is it does look beautiful. You can see that they put the money into it. But Jenny, we're going to go back even further with you because you're a librarian, as I said, and you're seeing how popular and enduring the books are. Like
3: the first Hobbit book was published in 1937 and the last Lord of the Rings book was published in 1955. They have been popular ever since. Countless re-editions. The books themselves, they're always really beautifully produced. They'll have maps in them and beautiful illustrations. But we're like, I remember seeing it when the Peter Jackson films came out. I remember seeing a huge interest in the books. And this time around, um, people are looking for the books by people who've never read them before. Or I had one case where a dad came into the library And he wanted his kids are watching the new Amazon show, and he wanted to borrow the books. And he admitted to me that he has copies of the books at home, but they're far too precious and far (laughs) too beautiful to let his children on them. I was like, well, absolutely, we'll order them from the library for you. And there's a huge appeal. and it's I think with the new series as well, um, people who've never read the books will start discovering the books and people who had read the books will just be delighted that they can see their their favourite characters on uh, screen. And, and, and,
7: ch- and they might go back to them again yeah. for, for a second time. And
3: the new series now is um, like the books have all been portrayed in the Peter Jackson films. In the new series, they're using kind of appendices and source material and the world that he created. Like there's a huge rich source material there. They couldn't write and write and mm. write and write. And I can can see in the series now, it's building up to a big battle, and um, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll, I'd say, they'll keep it going for quite a long time, and it's a nice level of um. Just just a little nice level of trouble and terror that you can kind of watch it with a family it's suitable for family viewing as well but um, it's going well, to be like, now, people monster, watch all areas. Jenny I, mm.
7: the bit I watched last night a monster got stabbed in the head after about eight
3: minutes I don't know
7: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> most, I mean, uh, most it, nine and ten year olds will probably haven't expected that to happen in the first three minutes
10: <laughs> it's not as bad as House of the Dragon which has also been released around this time which I, is the Game of Thrones prequel like that is for adults 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 but, adults
3: adults, adults um, yeah. Rings
10: of power has got the kind of more fantastical, kind of a bit more like when you meet the Harfoots, which are the this generation's version of the Hobbits. The kind of more, kind of you know, they have the glint in their eye. They're a bit more playful, mm-hmm. more wholesome, more about community, and they're very. It's so nice to watch them. This is where Lindy Henry comes in.
7: Yeah, and they all have these terrible Irish, Dodgy Irish accent.
10: Well t- um, they're not as bad maybe. As <laughs> some of them aren't as bad. There are a few questionable ones in there but um, it's kind of nice to see it uh, as well.
7: Why are they Irish? I didn't understand. Maybe I just didn't watch enough. So the it. Hobbits
10: I think originally were kind of more based on West Country accents and then I think. They in should, England. In England yeah and then they just needed a new kind of generation and they, I guess they just cho- chose Irish.
7: Mm-hmm. And um, is it good? Are you enjoying the new series?
10: I am. Like I, I watched the first two episodes and I loved it. I gave it four stars. Now the Last two episodes, I kind of found it a bit more ploddy and a bit more kind of, you know, setting up what's going to come next. Um, there are going to be only eight episodes in this series, but I, did, I do think it's, it's setting up something big and it's a lot more action on the way.
0: And Claire asked Jenny about reading the books.
7: Jenny I'll have to give these books a go you, yeah. you, when did you start reading for the first time The Lord I, of the Rings books? I would
3: have read The Hobbit when I was about 11 or 12 and I would have borrowed it from the library and um, I can remember wanting to go on to The Lord of the Rings books and my mum had to go in with her library card and borrow them because they had them in the adult section at the time <laughs> and I think I was about halfway through the second one and I was gifted a beautiful set of the books all in a box set which is put in a box away safely where my children can't get their hands <laughs> on it but like, what I love about the interest when something is, is is put into a series like this or there's a big movie made about it, people will come back to the books but they'll keep discovering other series like young people, even adults will come into us and say, right, I've read all The Lord of the Rings, what will I read next? And sure, we're delighted. We're like, oh, you've Ursula Guin, You've we've got Terry Pratchett, we've Owen Colfer, uh, the Percy Jackson books is a new series we made of those. Like, you know, it's anything that is transferred onto the big screen based on books will always give us a big interest. And when I was reading those books as a young person, I didn't have the distractions. I didn't have streaming services and internet and Wi-Fi and social media. But now I think young people, the distraction is nearly the books. The books will take them away from the screens. And you you can get a good balance. And of course, they can be all borrowed from the libraries and everything in all the libraries is free. Audiobooks, there's beautiful audiobook versions of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit books and a lot of the fantasy uh, series as well, like Terry Pratchett. And so you can download them for ease, for risk, for, if you want to read them that way by listening to them. And there'll always be something else. Like people will never say, well, I've read The Lord of the Rings now, that's it, I'm done. Because they'll come into us or go into their local bookshop and we'll ha- always have fantastic recommendations. And yeah, you know you know
7: what path they're on yeah. and you know where, yeah. where to send them next. Yeah. And Owen, what has been the general critical reaction then to the new series?
10: It's been great, yeah. I think it's um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it, I think, a, cum- a cumulation of all of the different um, websites is about 85% uh, successful rate. Mm-hmm. Now the fans of the books Uh, it's kind of the series unfortunately has been um, the victim of review bombing so the, oh tell
7: me about that that the, sounds interesting
10: Yeah so the Rings of Power they've kind of changed a little bit the source material just to kind of make it a bit more modern so Gladriel is um, who is originally played by Kate uh, Blanchett in the series um, she's played here by Morpher Clark and she's more prominent she's kind of more action hero um, and there's also the cast is more diverse and some people don't like this which So is,
7: the purists who are fans of the books they're not, they're not happy
10: Yeah exactly they're just kind of writing, skating reviews even though they might not even have watched it um, which is Kind of, you know, it's it's our awful thing to see because you know it's people put so much effort in this and it's such a big budget. It looks fantastic, and mm. it is such a nice story. Um, and then people are just kind of ruin it for everyone. But, everyone.
7: But, but what you're telling us is that the reviewers who have seen yes. seen it, uh, their reaction is very positive. Yes.
10: Yeah. It has. It has been. It's been overwhelmingly positive. I think.
7: Jenny would you describe yourself as a super
3: fan of the of the Lord of the Rings franchise? Not a super fan now I know people who've named their children after characters and had elvish tattoos and <laughs> gone to visit <laughs> yeah. New Zealand but a huge fan of that genre and uh, particularly interested in the films one of my brothers lives in New Zealand and he had a part as an extra in the second Hobbit film ah. so we were always always very excited about that and always coming back to it but yeah I was just saying like what Owen was talking about there with the review of Omin it can be unfortunate for anything so I'd say like listen to your librarians and your booksellers and listen to your reviewers on the radio we'll give you the, We'll give you the full story and people are always say like what's the attraction like the books themselves are extremely poetic and extremely well written I'd never tell a young person come into the library you're going to read a book that's very poetic because they'll just say no I'm not goodbye like can I just read three lines from one of the books do yes yeah, sure. so, and there'll be people around the country who are super fans who will be mounting along to this one ring to rule them all one ring to find them one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. Now, straight away, you're kind of thinking, what is going on there? I want to find out. (laughs) And plus, you know, there's a lot of not very nice things happening in the world right now. And for young people, books are always a great escape. And it's lovely when you see someone going on a quest and solving a problem but I'd also encourage adults you know give yourself that little break from all of the tough things that are going on in the world pop down to your library it's completely free we'll get you a nice book to lo- to, to, to escape from mm-hmm. the, the tough times and we've loads and loads of copies
10: of all the books Would you books. agree
7: with that now or would you be saying switch on your telly Oh, that's a library. difficult
10: question. I, <laughs> I do love books. I've, I've read the books. Go read them first. Maybe watch the series afterwards. Isn't that a good compromise? I, I that's, think a,
3: that's, I, a, that's what, that's what decent, I do anyway. That's yeah.
7: a decent <laughs> compromise.
0: That's Jenny Lochran, librarian from Waterford Libraries and Owen Cannon from entertainment.ie from Today with Claire Byrne. And on the Ray Darcy show, Kathleen Watkins was talking about the poetry of Patrick Kavanagh.
11: Delighted to say I'm joined in studio by Kathleen Watkins. Good afternoon Kathleen
0: Good afternoon Ray it's lovely to be here
11: Yeah and lovely to see you Thank B- you very much B- You know because after that's all behind us now it's in the rearview mirror lockdown and all that and we're here I and know A big hug there at the start I know. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful just, yeah. we can all
4: hug and yeah. we can get out and about <laughs> as, yeah. as never before Yeah yeah It's just so wonderful such a change for everybody I feel however so badly for people who lost somebody in the lockdown because we gave gay a terrific send off and then a few months later there
11: was lockdown people never got a chance mm-hmm to say
4: goodbye you know so I think of them a lot
11: and the other people I feel sorry for um, are people who never recovered you know that it it knocked their confidence and because we were in lockdown for so long and they couldn't leave the house that they found it difficult to get back and they have ongoing problems I mean
4: that's that's a lot to be coping with some people got such a very bad about it, you know. I have to say, I didn't get anything at all. It was just amazing. Nothing. Right. No, no. And so many people I know, including uh, one of my daughters, got it very badly for 11 days, and one of my friends got it at the same time. It was really a killer but I, I
11: never got it. And how about getting back into it? You know, because after lockdown and getting out and crowds and all that, you are OK with all of that, right? you?
4: Um, well, I, I didn't go on the dart for a long time and I didn't go to theatres or film. I think that may have saved me, you know. Even when we were allowed to go places, I, I kind of held back a bit. Yeah. But anyway, I'm out and about now. Great, great. Raring
11: I, to go. I, and you're recording Patrick Havanagh poems. Well, just one. Yes. So Patrick Havanagh, Almost Everything, um, is out today on Cladder Records. Uh, and they've gathered up the great and the good of Irish showbiz and beyond uh, to read Patrick Cavanagh's... Uh, I suppose somebody decided there were his best poems. Or did you get to choose the one you wanted to do? Um, I chose In Memory of My Mother. Right. He
4: wrote two pieces In Memory of His Mother, one more beautiful than the other. I, I, I love when the poets write about family. Seamus Heaney wrote about... His mother, the sonnets after the death of his mother, and Patrick Kavanagh wrote also a piece. Um, every old man I see reminds me of my father. Yes. And then the Christmas childhood was sheer magic, you know. So it's 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 well, they paint don't such do pictures. it first yet.
11: Don't do it first yet because I won't I'm going to I'm no. going to build up to it. I'm going to because <laughs> okay. you, as I know from from the past that people love hearing you read poetry live on the radio because it's not something that happens that often anymore. Well,
4: Unfortunately, I would love to think somebody was reading a poem every day.
11: <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm that keen on. And the other thing is that so many of our people are writing. So many men and women whose names are not known and they're all out there writing. And so many of them have
11: won prizes for their writing. Yeah. So anyway, let's. Well, here's, here's the thing, because I'd be one of these people. I'd be. It's not that I'm indifferent, but um, I always thought that poetry wasn't for me. And I think there's a lot of people listening who might be in the same camp as me. So what do you say to them? I know, Ray. Don't
4: you remember your poems from when we were at school? Padraig Colum's Old Woman of the Roads. Do you remember that? Padraig Colum was here a few weeks after the opening of Irish television and a rumour went round Padraig Colum is coming up the stairs. And some said, how could Padraig Colum be coming up the stairs? He's dead. Well, he wasn't. (laughs) He wasn't. He came into our studio. He was a delight to yeah. me. It was absolutely fantastic. And can I tell you my story? He was just about to be interviewed by somebody and he had a horn of hair sticking up <laughs> right. on his head and there was a lot of elbow language. You tell him no and I said, yeah. I'll tell him myself. So I said, Excuse me, mister Colum, we can't let you go on air. There's a piece of hair sticking, sticking up. up and he said, Would you put it down for me? So I have it to say I smoothed down the head of the foot. Hey!
11: hey, hey. That's my story. <laughs> That's your claim to fame. That's, That's my favourite story. Well, one of many claims to fame. Uh, so the, they've got the great, the good. So the president is there. I played the president already. He does stony grey soil. It's interesting because if you look at the, the, the ranking, track one is given to Bono. Track two to the president, then Liam Neeson, and then I think you're number five, are you? So you're up I there. You're, you're up there. Uh, you're up there.
0: And we played a clip of Bono reading Raglan Road.
2: On Raglan Road, on an autumn day, I saw her first and yeah. knew that her dark hair would weave a snare that I may one day rue. I saw the danger, yet I walked along the enchanted way. I said, let grief be a fallen leaf at the dawning of the day.
4: That's beautiful, Good, isn't it, it really is. And, and she was real, yeah, <laughs> she yeah. was a real person that he fell for. But I think that's beautifully read, isn't it? Really, and he's
11: he's doing um, excerpts from his his memoir, his biography, which is out in October. And yes, he's, he's, he's a good reader. I can't
4: know? I can't wait for the yeah
11: the book. Yeah, yes. Now we were talking just before we went on air about Jessie Buckley. Yes, uh, and she's a star. And you're saying that Gay saw her a long he time. He saw
4: her once a very long time back, and he came home and he said, "Remember the name Jessie Buckley. Yeah. She's going to be huge." Yeah. he just thought he this was a star. Now he you. You don't say that about many people but she but everybody knows she is as she is and yeah. she can do everything and anything she's so
11: talented. Would he come on, home often and say because because he he knew he spotted stardom didn't he? He was good at that.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes, he he did. He he would say that's one to watch yes. or and um, but he was always saying that we all speak much too fast.
11: <laughs> it's funny <laughs> you to say no that. Rush. <laughs> 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 because Uh, Olivia O'Leary was on after uh, the death of Queen Elizabeth II was announced and she was remembering reading something for her when she was in the the convention centre and they were doing rehearsals and Gay was there because he was I think he was the MC on on the night he was was, and she told the story about going over to Gay and saying what do you think and guess what Gay said Read it more slowly. Exactly. Yes, and yes. then he said, and when you read it at that pace, go again, read it more slowly again. <laughs> yes, yes, so that, that was his advice. So here is Jesse Buckley and Epic.
1: I have lived in important places. Times when great events were decided. Who owned that half a rood of rock? A no man's land surrounded by our pitchfork-armed claims. I heard the Duffy shouting, damn your soul. An old McCabe, stripped to the waist, seen step the plot, defying blue cast steel. Here is the march along these iron stones. That was the year of the Munich bother, which was more important. Mm. Wonderful.
11: Yeah.
4: <laughs> There's a I, lovely. I follow her closely. I think everything she does is just perfect. And she can sing, and,
11: yeah, she can and she's nice anything, with it. Act, <laughs> everything. everything, everything. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lovely rhythm to Patrick Kavanagh's poetry. Well, that's
4: what I love about poetry that I really enjoy. It's the rhythm and the movement. And it's just amazing when you get that flowing in the lines. Um, and, and again, painting the pictures. I mean, she, as she spoke there, she was painting pictures yeah. with her voice. You know, just uh, huge enjoyment all around.
11: Now, we're going to get to you in a, in a moment. I'm just looking here at Rachel Blackmore's because she is the only non-performer. Yes, on, on the yes. album. Uh, you know, she's a, a, a jockey who's achieved, achieved one know. or two things in her career. So Pegasus is the poem and because the horse and the wings they obviously asked Rachel. Uh, and and I think you're going to be hugely pleasantly surprised by this. This is Rachel Blackmore and her reading Patrick Kavanagh's Pegasus.
8: My soul was an old horse Offered for sale in 20 fairs I offered him to the church. The buyers were little men who feared his unusual airs. One said let him remain unbid in the wind and rain and hunger of sin and we'll get him with the winkers thrown in for nothing. Then the men of state looked at what I'd bought for sale. One minister wondering if another horse body would fit the tail that he'd kept for sentiment the relic of his own soul. Said I will graze him in lieu of his labour. I lent him for a week or more and he came back, a hurdle of bones, starved, overworked in despair. I nursed him on the roadside grass to shape him for another fair.
4: That is superb. Isn't
8: it? That's
4: a knockout. That's absolutely wonderful. It's from 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 the heart. (laughs) It is from
0: the heart. Kathleen Watkins from The Ray Darcy Show. And on the Ryan Tipperty Show, upholding the tradition of the annual Lucy Kennedy Meetup.
9: And what a pleasure it is! Welcome to Studio Miss Lucy Kennedy. Ah, oh.
12: oh, hello. It's tradition for me to come in and ruin your year it's, once a year, isn't it? Or oh, oh, am I your favourite guest?
9: I'm. You're certainly in the top two hundred. Wow. Um, this uh, the book rude. that you've got. <laughs> it's really <pretty> rude. <laughs> Congratulations Thank you. on book four. Yes. Uh, of the Friendship Fairies. Yes. Uh, you're gone to. You're gone to sea with yes, this. I've gone with to this see. adventure. Um, it's impressive because you've got your radio show. Yeah. You've got um, now multiple television shows. Yes. You've got children, a yeah. husband, a house. And a dog. And a dog, a golden retriever. She's a
12: Labrador. She looks a like Labrador. me. You know, though I've got that fried in the middle of my forehead. You know, people say that their dogs look like them. She is the image of me. It's
9: uncanny now that you yeah, say it. Yeah. And um, yeah. they, they do say that, that some they people, yes. like Curly had a people might have a poodle
12: people who work people. with horses look like horses yeah so we have Riley she's nearly two, and uh, she is great okay Yeah.
9: Uh, let's talk quickly about the friendship fairies because right. you've gone to kind of Connemara right? you've gone to my part of the world yes. here well yes, done yes a, a little, little
12: island little. off Connemara and I kind of slip in the odd Irish word again and it's so funny because obviously I have to use a dictionary because I can't do my son's Irish homework I think you're like me when it comes very to Irish
9: unfortunately I am I'm not proud of very it very limited it's, yes. me neither
12: me neither so yeah, so the idea behind it is the Friendship Fairies are obviously a year older. Um, God, it's so weird that we kind of did this four years ago I the first know. book and we're still here.
9: And they're growing, are they going you're going to grow, yes, they're going to age. Growing
12: older. Yes, so like maybe next year, Emmy, who's the eldest, who's obviously my niece in real life, Yeah, she would probably go to her first disco.
9: Oh, so you're gonna so go that way with yeah, them? Oh, interesting. Yes, so they're like, gonna grow up uh, together. Like the Simpsons and Family yeah. guys stay the same yeah. age, but you're gonna like you're more Harry Pottering with them and getting older. <sighs> I love and the awkward. fact
12: that you're even putting me in the same. Well, sentence. it's it's the, it's the same. It's it's, it's, it's the same, the same chronological yeah.
9: vibe going yeah. on there, and um, that's a, that's that's kind of. That makes it finite in some way because they're all going to die. And then, oh wow, oh, so really? the fairies. Oh, no. I mean, do fairies die? By Morning, the way? guys! <laughs> never,
12: never. Oh, okay, sorry. So, their mom is a spy, and the idea behind this is that there's this there's this island off Connemara, yes, where teddy bears and dolls and toy soldiers and superheroes and much loved toys go to retire. Great, so um, because we don't like the idea of our toys not having somewhere safe forever. So they go there to this island but then what's happening is people were stealing the teddies and the toys from the island and selling them on the internet. So the friendship fairies go to rescue all the teddies.
9: It's a beautiful idea and it's a gorgeous story. It's
12: very me, isn't it? Uh, It is. I I am such a baby. Like truthfully, when I sometimes hear mum, I, I kind of look around and go, oh my God, that's me.
9: Yeah, how did that like, happen?
12: I have a nearly 13-year-old. I nearly have
9: a pretty How pre-teen. old are, th- are older the, th- the trio now?
12: 12, uh, 10. She's your biggest fan. She saw you. My daughter Holly the other day and she said, Mummy, there's your friend who's really kind to children. No. Yeah, about you. Yeah, from the Toy Show. She's she loves you. she yeah.
9: help her. Um, yeah. And then the third. I said, who? You said him?
12: And Don't then, b- no, deceived. they love you. And then Jess is five. And okay. Jess, my youngest, has started Junior infants.
9: Yes, it's it's, it's that's, that's it. now. That's it.
12: Now I'm done. You're essentially done empty job. nest. Yeah, I, there, emptiness. Yeah, completely. Yeah, they,
9: they they bring themselves up now.
12: I um, hope so. I hope wh-
9: so. What age so far uh, of the children have you found the most terrifying?
12: Now, Jack. Now Twelve. being a preteen. Yeah. yeah. Now, yes, he's kind of at that stage where I'm a very needy parent. Like I love being a mum, and I I'm very affectionate, um, but I kind of find that Jack's not needing me as much now. Yeah. And just little things like I say, you know. Morning, Jack. He goes, oh, so embarrassing. Everything about you is embarrassing. Wow. Yeah, it's got hurt. Are we talking about
9: Rich, your husband, or your son? (laughs) I I can't. Oh, Rich can't stick me,
12: (laughs) but yeah, he's. I find it kind of scary in that he's not. He's not. He he doesn't need me as much now, you know. And obviously, he's got a phone because they. He has to have a phone. He's on the dark going into school and. And I kind of feel like um, I can't protect him as much. Did you feel like that Yeah, well, you it's see,
9: like the, 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 the boy is becoming a man. And yeah. it's just <sighs> the, it's the, it's the, it's the Lion King, I'm sorry to say. I know, but I just, know, it, it is, yeah, isn't I, it? Like I,
12: even me talking about it, I always find it quite, uh, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm struggling with that. Well, just because it, I just want to keep them all at home yeah. with me on my knee.
9: I know, no. and, and and read stories. Yes. In my well, yes. When you were, can I ask you, when you were little, uh, were, did you get stories read to you or did you read on your own? Or were you, you I know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking kind of under six, seven, eights. Oh, there. I
12: say read to me, yeah. I and say you, read to me. And
9: any jump out of like a little books or so stories? I been
12: kind of, well, I definitely grew up on the Famous Five. I'm of yeah. that era, being 46. And then I moved on to Sweet Valley High. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah.
9: My yeah young well, boy. I didn't you read them. Do remember? But, no, I, your I, sisters? I was a Secret Seven guy, but the, the girls, yeah. the sisters would have read the the Mallory Towers and that kind of thing.
12: Babysitter's Club, all these books. So, yeah, I did read. I I always loved reading as a child. And I always try and find the time to read to our children because it is that special time where it's quite intimate, I think. And it's nice and quiet and they're tucked up in bed. And it's just you and them, just watching their little minds, you know. I think it's so important to read to children if you can find five minutes every evening. It's so rewarding.
0: And Ryan asked Lucy how she finds time to
12: write I've written on the loo. I've written in the bath. I kind of I write on my phone. So I could, honestly, I know that sounds completely no, wrong. You're the second.
9: You're you're the third person in the last ten days who I've met who's writing a book or doing something like that on their phone. Yeah. What's going on there? I don't I, know. I, I don't think I'd have the patience to be tapping in. So I hate
12: writing text and messages anyway. Oh, yeah. But you're okay with it. That's it's yeah. time probably. It is time. It is time. But I don't know. It's just, I've always done it that way. I've always just kind of, you know, if something comes to me, I'll just kind of add to my notes. Now, if I lose my phone, I'm goosed. Yeah. So I have to kind of keep remembering to transfer it over. But, yeah, I kind of write on my phone and it's it's a job. Like, I mean, you know, when you're writing a book, it is a bit of a job in that you have to kind of, like I have a, a date to deliver the book. So I have to almost assign time yeah. Uh, I just got a knot
9: in my stomach thinking day. of when you said that about the time, the, the deadline. I feel a bit sick. It's yeah, like, because. Can i throw in
12: a few more ands and the and as and ah. <laughs> Isn't there a
9: bigger print, a font or something like yeah, yeah, that? I, I know, I know, I
12: know. Double space. Maybe, maybe more pictures. Treble space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You do feel that kind of knot in your tummy. Yeah. So I suppose it's like anything, it's preparing for anything and the pressure to deliver. Now, in fairness, guild books are great with me, they do hold my hand. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I try and treat it like job and allocate time at least in the run-up every day. So it's like, okay, mummy's got to write yeah. and then I sit there and think, homework fairies uh, <laughs> where do I begin where was
9: I where was I uh, let me ask you about, about other things in your life at the yes. moment because you're you're living with Lucy's coming back isn't yeah. it and can you believe it I can are actually. we ready to come show. to me
12: are we ready to get
9: you wanna, into gym you want to come and live to live with me yes I, 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 we've, I don't know how many years I've known you but I know, I know. that every time we meet you I ask the question I feel like you're question. playing
12: hard to get though is no. it time just to just hang to up give the in? old PJs yeah
9: <laughs> <laughs> tell me the shape of what we do let's let's, 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 let's imagine this and see if we can manifest it Okay. so you what you knock on my door what time of the day
12: knock on your door whatever time you want obviously you're the celebrity so I am just your shadow so I would maybe say join you here with my little creepy dun suitcase outside
9: which is creepy And
12: it's very creepy and then we would I'd go to your post your post-meeting whatever what do you do actually what do you do well I
9: made flapjacks which I distributed this morning and they were better than yesterday's. So I had to give them a second go because they were pretty uh, appalling the night before right. so we had those so and then, I did
12: the flapjacks and then we'd would. probably head off then to rehearse the Late Late we'd we'll go
9: over to, to so we'd have a little uh, chat about how the show went and that's yeah. uh, once that three and a half minutes is finished we'll go yeah, off yeah. to, to say, what's you happening wish, three and a half minutes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not joking <laughs> these guys said to me they said we know we have your attention for 30 seconds and if we're not connecting with you, you're gone so yeah, yeah, you're yeah. probably a bit like yeah, that You're very you? much so. yeah we okay. are Labradors
12: yeah we are so, so then we go to the late late, and then yeah. I just hang out with you I'd be like your friend like I am in real life I just hang out with you you know the way I am your friend yeah, that but you I get can't get, nothing, get rid of I get I'm like that
9: done. I'd get nothing done if you were around no you'd like, you yeah. get loads
12: done. I'd help you but like you'd you, honestly I'm so easy to live with you would almost almost forget I was there
9: you don't actually stay in the house I do, do you?
12: I do yeah you're staying I, like it. Yeah. yep yeah. I do. I'd stay in if you have spare room. I would stay there. But like, That's creepy. I'm, it's not creepy. It is creepy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a creepy handsy kind of person. You're very safe in my company. No, but you're there. I, I, I wouldn't
9: sleep a wink knowing you're sort of down in some Why? other room. Now, just I being would root through your fridge. That's okay. There's not much I'd to see there.
12: Possibly root through your. Uh, I'd have a good old look at your loo, your cupboards, Everything all that kind clean, of
9: stuff. Clean, clean, tidy. It's good.
12: Mm, and we'll see underpants why, why little, would you your jokes, da- <laughs> show your little jokes yeah, on the camera you'd love that
9: you'd love that um,
12: and then yeah and then we just we just it's like I'm like a friend that just okay, it's like the I, date that wouldn't end
9: I'm going to say uh, uh, what they call a hard no to that to wow. your face because never going to happen was
12: it the why just okay maybe next year
9: no you met Enda Kenny recently and you want him on your show love And Ed you Kenny. so you, you cornered him at, at, at an event he, he didn't yeah, have security the Welsh so Ambassadors
12: so. party I got him I got Enda face to face I love him so and he
9: couldn't shake you and you asked him, "Can I? Can I live with you?" And what did he say?
12: I have never seen a man as scared in my life. There you go. But she went, "Oh, you'll have to uh, ask Finula." And I went, "Ah, Finula, hi, Lucy Kennedy." Um, and she went, "I know who you are, Lucy." And I said, "Listen, I think End is playing hard to get." What? Now I had had at least three glasses of champagne <laughs> or whatever it was. So I said, "Well, uh, uh, End is playing hard to get. Like, what's story? Can I come and live with you guys? Like, it's fine, you know. I, like, I'm very." Entured. And she went, "And Lucy, I really like you, and I like the program, but we do like our." privacy. Lucy Kennedy on the Ryan Tubridy show.
0: And on today with Claire Byrne, making the most of your kitchen gadgets to cut down on your energy bills this winter with chef Brian
7: McDermott. Brian, we all have a lot of those uh, gizmos in the kitchen, you know, the air fryer and The rice cooker, which I know you're a big fan of. But it's learning how to use them and incorporate them into your weekly meal prep, isn't it?
13: Yeah, it is because some of them are trends, Claire, They'll come, they'll go and they'll go to the back of the store cupboard. we We mightn't use them again for another six years. But things like the pressure cooker was there when I was young. Then it's come back and it's come back now again. So it's how do you use them? But more importantly, we got to remember, yes, it's 4%. But we still need to eat. And when we talk about energy, food is our energy. And I want to get that across because we need to be in the best position possible getting into winter. That means heat and nourishment.
7: Yeah, and this is just about doing it in a clever way. But uh, clearly you're saying, you know, you've got to prepare your, your food and eat nutritiously and healthily. Now, talking about gizmos and trends and fads, I suspect the one that you love is a bit of a fad. Now, this rice cooker that you're so delighted with?
13: Yeah, I got a rice <laughs> cooker years ago and it was an Indian chef as well that showed me this device and it was for cooking rice to avoid what always goes wrong, certainly with me and I have no problem admitting it when it comes to rice. Number one, it cook too much. Secondly, it's either too wet or it's too stodgy or it's overcooked or otherwise. So the rice cooker being pretty foolproof in that, the first thing I'll say is you wash your rice about two to three times, remove the starch. Personally, I'll use a short grain rice. If you're using a long grain, you just increase the cooking time. So why do we wash it, it, removes the starch and then it's equal quantities of rice to water. Now, if I was telling you to cook rice in a pot, Claire, I'd be saying two to three times water to rice. But the rice cooker keeps in all the moisture because of the lid that's on it. I tend to pop in a bay leaf and two whole cloves, not ground cloves. And they just give a nice aromatic background to the rice. Mm-hmm. Pop it on, switch it on. In about 12 minutes, you're going to have beautiful, fluffy oh, so it's rice. It's
7: quicker as well.
13: Yeah and that's that's what this is about because if it's going to be sort of in the sort of region of being a little bit quicker then sometimes that's not always good but the rice cooker will slowly open up the little sort of grains of rice and fill them with gorgeous flavoured water with the clove and the bay leaf.
7: And can you use the rice cooker for anything else?
13: I personally love it for likes of pasta and things like that. And I know there'll be people screaming, going, really? Why would you cook a pasta in a rice cooker? Because, again, lid on, pop it on and you can walk away and you can prepare the other ingredients. Things like putting in a little bit of pasta when you drain the pasta out of it. They're all beautiful. Grains can go in there. Queenie can go in there. There's so much, even the likes of sort of cooking like a really slow, say, breakfast like Shisuka that we covered recently in your show, things like that, that you can slowly braise with plenty of liquid in there. They're just a foolproof way of cooking. Could you stew fruit in there as well? Yeah that's that's one thing I do do in it um, and that's instead of you know if you put fruit on sometimes rhubarb and it gets sticky and it tends to maybe burn if you turn your eye away because you're, you're watching your phone or doing something else it's a slow way, it's a safe way there's no direct heat on it so it'll just stew it and it'll bring along the lovely flavours as well. well.
7: Something else that you do is a, a take on fried rice isn't it?
13: Yeah yeah. and for me fried rice is number one it's like an all in one style of a pot. I tend to bring in a little bit of Cherise. So What is chorizo? So it the end of the day, there's Irish made chorizo out there it's a pork product really that's cured with a little bit of spice in there, it releases a lot of oil but you can actually put almost anything, we've given a recipe today where there's chorizo going in, there's some frozen peas, you know a little bit of onion and you're sort of starting by just frying them and then you're adding in your rice, you're topping it up with a bit of stock and you're finishing it maybe with a couple of herbs and the same level of cooking time, about 20-25 minutes and you know if you've got leftover chicken, add it in Ham added in. And again, it's like a slower version with lower energy of a one pot style dish. And you're doing that in the rice cooker? Yes, absolutely.
7: And Claire brought up the air fryer. Can we talk about the air fryer? It's such a popular gadget at the moment. We have one at home, but I just use it for the Friday chips, really.
13: Yeah. And and it's not going away, Claire. I mean, it's been there for about a year or so. And I remember being asked last year about it and I said, I don't know anything about it. So I thought, I better go out, we better get one, we better investigate, see what's going on with it. And my conclusion on it, being very honest about it is, look, it will suit certain people. It is definitely going to be lower on energy for those one, two to three persons that are cooking at home. And it has a multiple of advantages to it, mm-hmm. you know, it will keep in a lot of the flavor. You know, we're given a recipe today. Let's say being healthy with a bit of fish. So if you take a bit of white fish and you sit it into. The little basket but even put it in a bit of parchment paper and then you put a thin red onion over it, a little bit of lemon over it, maybe some tomatoes and just season it a little bit with some black or white pepper grounded onto it. That going into the air fryer, you know, depending on the size of it, 8 to 10 minutes, when you lift that out you'll have a little bit of liquid and that was an old classical French style of cooking actually called papillette years ago. Trapped in so paper. Yeah, so you're, so you're sort of replicating it within the air fryer situation. And
7: what paper are you using? Just normal greaseproof paper? Yeah,
13: just it's not getting up to too high a temperature that you're going to be concerned about that and there's a lot of moisture in there so anything like a parchment or a grease proof will do that for See, you. See some
7: people use the air fryer for practically everything that they're cooking.
13: Yeah I mean firstly the big thing I saw was people were doing skinny chips and they were doing all sorts of sort of replacing it as a deep fat fryer and is it healthier? Absolutely it is healthier but um, you know for me there's all sorts that you can do in it. I, I do a lovely chicken in it where you just take either boneless chicken thighs. Why do I say thighs? They're full of flavour. They're really good value they're a lot cheaper. They're about a quarter the price. I don't like them of a chicken breast. I know you I don't, don't like. them I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody will convince me about chicken thighs. Well, have you? Is, is it the bone in? You don't. No. Like, I d- well, I
7: like that's a given. I don't like the bone in, but I also just don't like that meat. I know it's probably more nutritious, but it's a bit brown, isn't it?
13: Yeah, it's brown and stringy, color, but far more flavour. I would argue chicken <laughs> breast doesn't have much flavour. No, at all, I, so. I agree
7: with you there too. I just can't get my head around the chicken.
13: So thigh. we'll do two recipes today. Claire's is going to be chicken breast. Mine is going to be the boneless chicken thighs. Uh, you know, and it, and all we do there, Claire, with you're looking to flavour up chicken. Let's be honest, chicken in general doesn't have a huge flavour. So what do you do there? The zest and half the juice of a lemon. Put it into a bowl with some fresh thyme, a little bit of oil and some pepper. It's creating like a marinade. And put your chicken pieces into that, rub them all around and then place them, never two on top, but again into the basket. And always get into habit of putting in a bit of parchment paper because, number one, it keeps it clean and it also means there's no cross-contamination of anything that's been in there previous if you've forgotten to wash it because mm-hmm. that's one thing I've noticed about Far, you've got to clean it in between you've as got well.
7: got to clean it and if you put the paper on it, does that impact the cooking on the underside of whatever you're putting in there?
13: No, because we're not looking to sort of get a crisp underneath or anything on this and what's happening is the heat in such a small chamber is coming at it from all angles and particularly the likes of chicken, you know, you're slowly penetrating the heat in but the marinade that's around this one, lemon and thyme with chicken is beautiful and pepper. You don't tend to need much else and sometimes I'll do a couple of extra bits, particularly if it's going to be a breast and cool that down, slice it, you have it for your sandwiches, your wraps, your pasta dishes and it's beautiful.
7: And you can't put anything in there that's too runny because... Yeah. The, ba- the, ba- the basket, you're going to run into to trouble there, aren't you?
13: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, the, it has its advantages. Is it healthier? Yes. Is it lower in energy? Yes, absolutely. But sometimes, you know, I feel it's not really cooking because you're losing that, building oh, up the layers you see, of flavour. I see, I think you don't and,
7: agree with it. Right, come on, tell me, tell me, it, it just doesn't have the process there for no, you.
13: No, not for me. The sensory of cooking at home, you know, fine for midweek and you're looking for convenience and something that's really, really handy. Arguably, you can pop something in or, you know, but I'd be... Sort of tempted to think that people go in the line of processed foods to use it, maybe pre-breaded goujons and things like that. The whole sensory part of, you know, even you're just breadcrumbing something, you're pan frying it, the noise, the flavours, or you're going to your one pot style of addition, you're building up layers that we often talk about. To me, cooking is about that. Build the layers of flavours from the start. Start with good produce and you'll end with good food and a good mindset at the end of it Mm -hmm. to go, that is beautiful. OK, so the
7: try. air fry there with reservations, but a couple of nice recipes going up on rt.ie forward slash today CB after 12 today. And then
0: the stuff of my childhood nightmares, the pressure cooker.
13: I actually like the pressure cooker. Um, it has its disadvantages. What I like about it, again, is that there's an intensity in it. So what does a pressure cooker do? Firstly, when you close it, it seals and it vacuums and it keeps everything in there. You get all the nourishment of food. But the disadvantage is you can't open through the cooking to add more flavour or anything like that so it'll work for certain dishes we're going to give a recipe today for a beef curry why? Because the spices really intensify. It takes the harshness away from them and it brings very natural flavours together. All the moisture is retained in there. But as opposed to talking about beef, you know, we're not talking here about a slow cooker because to me, the difference between a pressure cooker and a slow cooker, let's just use beef, for example. If you've got beef that's got fat in it, say like a beef cheek or a cut that you want to slowly tenderise, that to me, is for the slow cooker. But if you take some lean diced beef and you want to put it into a very fast curry that is going to give you an all-round sort of bedded flavour into the diced beef and speed up the cooking time, that's where the energy saving here is. Then you're into the pressure cooker. But just remember, you've got to get everything in there very early at the start and then be careful of sealing it and vacuuming it and Definitely not to open it until that process. Yeah, I know.
7: I know. Back, back when they were out first, people were sort of afraid of them.
13: Yeah, <laughs> totally, because they were whistling like the whistling kettle in the kitchen, and you were sort of going, "Do I touch it? Do I not? Is it shouting at me? You know?" And and that can bring a little bit of danger in there as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Chef Brian McDermott from today with Claire Byrne, and that's it for Playback Daily. So mind yourself till next time.